And so I want to put that in perspective for everybody. It's always a shifting market. It's a market. And every single day it shifts. And every single day we wake up and we say, what do prices look like today? Because someone closed yesterday and that changed what my market looks like today. And I have to be the expert and I have to know what closed yesterday so I can tell my customers and explain to them how markets shift always. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 327 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I am so happy to be here. First of all, I've got to tell you this. I'm not in my normal place. I'm actually sitting at the Florida Realtors 2022 Real Estate Bar Camp in front of a couple hundred people. Let me prove that. Can we make some noise for the people listening? <laughs> Sound effects are awesome. No, uh, no, no. We're really here. I'm really, I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm going to be interviewing the president of uh, the 2022 president of the Florida Realtors, Christina Pappas. Christina, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. We're also sharing a mic so we can let your audience know uh, the delay is passing the mic back and forth. Uh, but it's truly my pleasure to be here and with an incredible group. I think we're setting record attendance uh, this week and at Real Estate Bar Camp. So thank you. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I, I always like to say about our guests is one, some of the, some of the powerful things that this woman's doing in the industry. Um, first of all, she's part of the Kai's company, right? And third generation realtor with Kai's company. What, what year did Kai's company start? T tell me a little bit about that. So I'm a third generation realtor. My grandfather was in the business, uh, but the company that I work for, uh, that's owned by my family started in 1926. So we're going to hit our hundred year anniversary in three and a half years, which is really cool. And so I am third generation in my family, but fourth generation for our company. And so my father always says he's second, but he's third generation, which was really great because they say third generations really ruin companies. So I like to say I'm the fourth generation. So if my father didn't ruin it, you know, we're on, on the right path. But we're based in Southeast Florida. We're about 50 offices and now opened over in Southwest Florida uh, and been family owned. We're called the Kai's Company. It was started by a man named Ken Kai's. And actually he was Florida Realtors president and also National Association of Realtors president. So he gave back a lot to the industry. My grandfather ran for Florida Realtors president, lost, didn't make it and didn't run again. And so giving back and being a part of, of this organization and back to our profession has kind of been in our DNA. That's great. Let me, let me ask you this question. You met you from South Florida. South Florida people in the room? We're going to go ahead and break the fourth wall. with the, Okay, good, good. What do we need to know about South Florida? For people that are listening outside of this, right? I know we're in Florida now and most people know a little bit about the state. What do I need to know about South Florida? You don't need a passport to get there. <laughs> It's really quite wonderful. And we have more than just South Beach. And, you know, there's a lot more to South Florida. We have a lot of incredible industries. I think what people don't realize is South Florida is really wonderful, really well known for its Art Deco, for its Miami Beach, and lots of bachelorette parties and, you know, everything else. But it really has an incredible culture. It has an incredible culture from all global culture, not just the South American culture, not just Hispanic, but we have Caribbean, we have Canadian 
Indian, we have Russian, we have Eastern European, European culture. There's so much culture and, and South Florida is alive with that. And it's growing like crazy. Like many of our incredible Florida cities, we're seeing wonderful tech companies come in, financial companies uh, from all over the world. So we're more than just South Beach, although it's a beautiful beach and I encourage you to come, but incredible restaurants really moving down. I think Palm Beach saw more restaurants open in 2020 than it saw open in any other year. So West Palm Beach is, is well and thriving and, and we're really seeing some incredible economy uh, moving to that area. Now I know I have to leave St. Pete. And go down Alligator Alley and make it, okay, I'll get there, I'll get there, it'll be great. Third generation or fourth generation, we'll debate that later. When I have guests who have been, where the family, you know, it was a family business and they've, they've gone on through these incredibly long periods of time, sometimes you find something when you're doing research for a podcast episode that might make me think that a younger Christina wasn't really hip on becoming a realtor. Because I'll just say this, you went off to the North, you're up in yeah. Cornell, you went to Cornell University, got a degree in hospitality and started working, working in a whole different industry. So were you kind of a rebel? You know, I, I'm one of five. So you kind of, everyone gets to be a rebel because you figure at some point your parents forget about you because there's five of us. Like, all right, today's my day to disappear. So my day to disappear was to go to Cornell. Um, I did have two or three other siblings who followed my father's footsteps to his alma mater and I didn't. And so I did rebel a little there, but like I mentioned, giving back has been in our blood. And my mom, I grew up, my mom, um, we say she didn't work, but any of you moms in the room, you guys like work harder than, we all work harder than everybody else, right? So my mom raised five children. And so I grew up in charity organizations and, and door knocking for at the nail salon for them to give us a gift certificate for the upcoming gala and going to, you know, our entire retail strip center and seeing what they would donate for the auction. And, and so I kind of grew up in that hospitality space. So it felt like it was something I knew, events and giving back and charity. Uh, and so I did. I moved to Los Angeles and lived in Los Angeles for four or five years. I had always thought, I'm one of five and I'm the only one that went into the business. So I don't know if that makes me smart or stupid. I, my siblings might be a little smarter than me. But I, I always thought I could come back. And, but I knew hospitality was calling me. I knew I really enjoyed the events. I knew I loved giving back. And so I wanted to kind of see what it was. But sales and sales and sales and sales. And I could sell a hotel room in a group like this. I could sell a house. So it's easily transferable. Yeah. I've had I said, over 300 guests on the podcast. And the number one job that somebody had before they were a realtor, because most realtors, it's not right out of college or out of high school that they're becoming a realtor. There's a few, maybe 10 out of all my guests. But the number one gig is like bartender hospitality, kind of that range, right? A, a, a server, those kinds of things, because you, it, it, it develops a very unique skill set. And I think, you know, would you agree with that? Talk about your hospitality background, how that played over into what you're doing now. And like, if you're looking for a new agent and they say, oh, I've been in the hospitality industry, do you kind of light up and go, oh, this is somebody who knows what they're doing? I, I always say hospitality and teachers. And that's interesting. Teachers uh, can speak three languages, they can speak to their administration, they can speak to children, and they can speak to parents. That's three languages, right? And in real estate, we have to speak like 15 languages because we have a mortgage lender, a title officer, processors, underwriters. We have the the seller, the buyer, another realtor. So we have to speak like five or six different languages. And so teachers really know how to do that. And then in hospitality, we, we learn a lot of different languages as well, whether we're waiting, serving tables, we're in the kitchen, um, or we're working with groups and all the different wants and needs and trying to meet that. I ended up spinning off and uh, planning weddings 
weddings part-time. I did weddings between Los Angeles and Miami and Dallas, and, and that's speaking a lot of languages. But the coolest part about that is you're impacting someone's day, right? Like the wedding is the biggest and best and brightest day of their lives, and it's you know supposed to be this amazing thing. No one thinks about what happens after. It's okay. This is going to be beautiful. And so um, that's kind of like buying a house, right? We're like, this is the house. It's so amazing. And then no one thinks about all the work it's going to go after, but it's okay. And so it's so transferable in, in terms of delivering the service and the relationship and realizing how much work and how important. If you think about every sale as someone's wedding, it'll really start to change your mindset because it's like the most important day, not just another sale. And so for me, that was so easy to transfer because, hey, this is the most important day of their life. They're going to spend the most money they've ever spent similar to weddings, and, and, and then we'll see what happens after. So for me, it was very, very transferable. And then sales, it's relationships, right? We had to go out, I had to go out and make my um, calls in, in corporate world. If it's not in your database, it doesn't exist. And that really helped me because when I got to real estate and I started showing up at nine o'clock in Miami, oh, in Southeast Florida, we don't start at 9 a.m. This is very early. Uh, but I showed up at 9 a.m. because that's what you did. I start making calls and I put information in my database because when you start off and you're new, you don't think you are going to forget people's names, people's kids' names, all of this information. You know, I only have three customers. I don't need to write this down. And then you get four customers and five. And later, you've done 15, 20, 30 deals a year, and you have no idea what that guy's dog's name, and it dies, and you can't ride a card, and it's horrible, right? So, And so if it's not in your database, it didn't exist. And that was so impactful for me. When did I call them? When did I last talk to them? And when do I need to follow up? And everything I knew about them. That was the best skills I ever learned in hospitality was if it's not in your database, it doesn't exist and realize that this is the most important day of their life. I saw a lot of people taking notes on the wedding comment. That was cool because you <laughs> think that might be used a few more times around the state. You are at the highest level of volunteerism in the state of Florida, right? You're the president of Florida Realtors and you've been in YPN and you look at your history, you've done a lot of things. Um, and the giving back to the industry is always super impressive for me. And I'd, I'd like to find out for you to, to share with this room. You're, I, I can see already you're, you're sharing a lot of good information. Let's add to it. Why should people in this room be volunteering themselves? I mean, you have to want to. Okay, don't do it because someone told you to, because then it just doesn't work. I mean, I, I'll take that back. My dad told me I had to. So. <laughs> It's different if it's a parent, okay? So I said to my father, I want to get involved, but it has been something that was ingrained in me as a child, and it was something uh, that we all taught, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so we were given a very nice life. I mean, real estate has given my family a lot into my generational family, and um, and I knew when I got into this business, it would be more about just doing sales, and it would be about how to build relationships and how to grow. And so there's so many ways to do that, though. It doesn't have to be on the Florida Realtors leadership team. You have your local boards, but think outside of that. There are so many ways to get involved. Yesterday, we, talk, we talked a little bit about advocacy and getting involved in, in some of the lo local issues that are occurring in your neighborhood or in your city or in your communities. Uh, find out where you can volunteer. We have a lot of locations in, in all over Florida that need help, need time, need volunteers. And so I, for me, Realtors build communities. And we need communities, right, in order to sell something.
I mean, if we don't have a community and we don't have something to build on, we don't have anywhere for people to move. So it's important. I, I always felt it was important to me to give back to the community in which I was going to serve. And so it's been innate in me and ingrained as a, as a child and sometimes not a choice and you don't quit once you start. I encourage anybody who's interested to, to find something small and, and see where it grows. Let's talk a little bit about your journey as president. There had to be like some expectations of what, what it would be like. I think, you know, obviously you worked your way up through the, through the executive committee, and so now you're president. Has anything surprised you as you're here now in this role? Is there anything that you kind of went, I wasn't expecting that? We're, on a, we're being recorded, so, and Margie's in the room. Okay, I honestly think I didn't expect the amount of excitement from everybody about my presidency. And I know it's a, it sounds a little ego, but I, um, I've only been in the business 11 years. And so my, I, everyone comes into the room with some sort of like self-conscious and like my biggest self-conscious was like, I haven't been a volunteer for 45 years. I'm not ready. Like, and, and, and every, there are so many volunteers who have been at this for so, so, so long that are so deserving and I've served our community as well. And I thought I, I don't deserve to be up here, right? And so there was a part of me that was always wondering if I could serve the way I needed to, do I need to go back and serve on different committees prior to doing so? Um, and I, I have been so surprised and so amazed at the support from our members, from the excitement of our members uh, for the leadership and really for the camaraderie. I don't know if I, I think I knew that was coming, but you, you will have this like self-consciousness of, okay, am I going to be good enough? Am I ready? A am I here? And the support from our members have really made it so incredibly special. There's a great video that's on the Florida Realtors site. Have you, you've seen it. I know you've seen it because you're in it. And there's a, there's a, it's called Building Up Business. And it's, uh, it's an original song written and, and performed by, I don't know the band, but it's amazing. It's really well done. Uh, I want to talk about a certain viola uh, solo that you, that I saw in the video, because it wasn't like you were just pretending to play a viola. I think you play a viola very well. And so let's talk about that first. And then let's get down into the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the most important issues facing, you know, Florida realtors right now and things you're dealing with at the board. We have to get to that part, but viola first. Okay. Um, I played the viola because I had an older sister that I like really wanted to be like growing up, but I wanted to be like a little different and she played the violin. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to choose the viola. No idea what that was. I was in fourth grade, but I came home and told my mom. And then the best is my brother and sister did this, but they chose the cello. You guys know how hard it is to carry a cello around. So I felt bad that I started that trend. We all didn't just play the violin, but um, at least mine's easier to carry around. If you had asked my younger self, I would be playing in Carnegie Hall when I grew up. So it was a big dream of mine. I played all through elementary, middle school, high school, state ranked, and now I play Disney songs for my daughter. So <laughs> that's about it. That's all I got in me now, but at least it gets me to, to bring it out. I cannot sing. Do not ask me to sing at all. I can play, I can hear a tune, but you don't want me to sing. And then big issues. So really what we're dealing with at Florida Realtors. So we have had an incredible year in advocacy. And I apologize, I know we're on a podcast, so they can't see the room. But uh, I'd love to know how many of you give back and are major investors in our RPAC. All right, give yourselves a round of applause. That's absolutely incredible. 
So our RPAC for your audience is the Realtor Political Action Committee, and they're the reason why we were able to practice real estate in 2020. I mean, for all all um, real purposes, being named as central. So if any of you actually sold any property in 2020, those of you, raise your hand again. Thank the people who raised their hands in the room because we were able to sell property. And really, RPAC is about putting our dollars to work uh, through advocacy and through building relationships. We talked about real estate relationships, and it's about building relationships. And so this year, we've done some incredible work. We were able to pass a Hometown Heroes Act. How many of you know who, what Hometown Heroes is? Our hometown heroes are really our frontline workers who really had to be around people during the pandemic, our firefighters, our nurses, our cops, our teachers. Uh, and there is a hundred million dollars worth of money sitting in a pot for your customers to go and get as a 0% loan for 5% towards your purchase price up to $25,000 towards closing costs and down payment assistance. And so we really, your, your dollars at work um, are there because affordable housing is a thing, right? We live in a beautiful state and all over we're hearing uh, Florida's growing at a population rate of 800 people a day. And that is an incredible rate. So we need to make sure that we have affordable housing and housing for our, again, we talk about the communities. And if, if we don't have people to service our communities in our communities, we don't have much to sell, right? When we, and so we need to make sure that our teachers and our firefighters and everyone can get into the communities. So that was a really big move, but it's not the end. We talk a lot about affordable housing. We've been fighting for a lot of monies within ship and sale, and there are a couple different vehicles in which the government gives back local or local government's money to use towards affordable housing. But we have now tenant bill of rights coming up. We're looking at rent control issues. And so those are some of the big things we'll be taking on. We have a huge election cycle coming up. The governor will be here on Thursday and, and we're excited to welcome him and talk to him about our issues. But affordability was something that was not started by our past president, Cheryl Lambert, but was near and dear to her. And we continued the fight this year. Condos and insurance are two other huge issues that we've been battling. Insurance, getting actually insurance on properties that is actually affordable is becoming quite tough. And so we have worked tirelessly with our legislature and it's going to take true tort reform. I'll give you some crazy stats. And I think our, a lot of our audience knows this. Florida it makes up 8% of our total insurance policies in the United States. Okay, total 8%. That's a good amount. That's really great. Do you know what percentage we make up of the litigation that occurs for insurance in the United States? 78%. Even worse, and this is the worst stat I think of them all, of the monies that go or that are paid out from that litigation, what percentage goes back to the homeowner? Eight percent. So we have a serious problem here, right? And and and, and it's perpetuated um, by by just non-education of, of our consumers. I think a lot of our consumers don't understand that there's no such thing as something free. That if, if someone comes by and, and offers free roof inspection or has some sort of small issue in their kitchen, they shouldn't be filing a full flood, you know, full flood or full insurance water claim insurance. And so um, we're working with our legislatures on fixing the way we litigate, capping attorneys' fees, and really 
really making sure that that if there is litigation, the money is going back to our consumers, but even more, creating a safe place in Florida for private companies to come in and offer insurance. And that's going to be a multi-year long process. Thankfully, Margie's in the room because I'm one and done. Our leadership team has been focused on this for many years. We had some small, um, really great wins in the special session. And we're hopeful that after uh, this, past, this next election that we're gonna see some more. We've been working with Senator Pasadomo, who's really out of our Naples area. Anyone out of the Naples area? Wonderful. So Senator Pasadomo is out of your area, and she is going to be the speaker president, this president of the Senate this coming year. And she's on our side and ready to fight. So there's a lot of, of stuff coming down, but it's exciting. And I encourage you all to get involved if you haven't. And if you want to learn more, um, there's plenty of resources around and, and we'll get you involved. Florida has more realtors than any other state in the country. Did you all know that? Yeah. Number one in the country. Um, it's also incredibly geographically diverse. How, how do you handle that? How is that handled, right? Because you've got so many different constituencies in, with so many people. Um, what, how does that work for you? I mean, I grew up in Miami. No, uh, so I heard an economist say several years ago that, and I was at a Florida Realtors event, that Florida is, is, has the same demographic and geographic makeup as the United States, percentage-wise. So demographically, um, it, all the percentage line up the closest to the entire United States, which is really cool. And and yes, you know that the rule is when you move to Florida, you don't get a driver's license, you get your real estate license. Okay. And when you get pulled over, you show them that, not your real, okay. I said, we're, we're like actors in LA, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful business to get into and low barrier to entry. And so it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. But geographically and uh, speaking, we do often forget we have great agriculture around the state and we have other great, we, we always talk about tourism and we talk about real estate, but we don't talk about the other incredible economies. And I think that's what Florida Realtors makes Florida Realtors so great is we don't forget all the pieces. And when it comes to looking at that from a um, legislative perspective or convention or association perspective, we're always considering all points of view, which, you know, like a family. We get to fight and decide which point of view is, is better or negotiate that out. But it's, it's been pretty exciting to really feel that diverse culture. I've seen uh, online you talking about the importance of that international market in Florida. So I'd like to, I'd like to get your take on that. What, why, is there, why is it so important from an international kind of scope and perspective? Don't people like to go to Europe and, you know, Greece or Caribbean anytime soon? No? Um, I mean, it's the busiest summer. Did you know it was the busiest travel summer? My brother works for Priceline Group, and he says the busiest travel summer of the year, which is pretty crazy of in in history. So, how many of you in the room? And sorry, Bill, have um, had an international customer buy or sell? It's 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 a big number here. It's a big percentage, and and depending on the location we're in, it gets bigger. And so, it's so important to show our international friends that we are friendly to their business and that we need their business. Florida really relies heavily on all international. Down in South Florida, it tends to be more of our South American friends, but all over the state, we have our we have our German friends, our French friends, Canadian. Really, we're now in we're now traveled to Dubai and we're looking we have many Floridians who have actually invested in Dubai and vice versa. Greatest thing that came out of the pandemic was it made the world smaller and people felt it was easier to connect. And so through the past two, three years, our international team has done inbound trade missions online 
And we have connected with Canadians and all of our friends, over 800 people on one of our inbound trade missions, all through Zoom, because it's about relationships, building relationships, and hey, it's a lot cheaper than flying over there. And so it, it, it is important to tell, Florida, tell, tell our international friends how great Florida is. Christina, I have to, I have to ask this question. I, I'll apologize in advance. Words like shift, normalizing, we're in a very interesting time right now in the world of real estate. And uh, so I would really like to hear your take, what you think, um, where we're at short term, and, and I'm going to even really make it tough. What are, what are we looking at a couple of years down the road? Okay, so my answer to the couple of years down the road was if we had the magic eight ball, we would have figured that out back in 2008, and I wouldn't be sitting in front of you. I would own one of the islands and be sitting on it now. So it's funny you use the word shift and normalize. Didn't two years ago we talk about the new normal? Right. And like, I think it was four years ago, maybe around 2015, 2016, that we started to see things start to slow down. And we're like, oh no, luxury is really slowing down. It's starting to feel year. And then even in like 20, for 2013 to 2014, right? We had seen these rises from 2011, 2012 to 2013 of 20% increases. And then what happened in 2014? Oh, it was only like a 5% increase on my house. It didn't go up 25%, right? And this is just in the short 11 years that I've been around. If my father were here, he'd tell you about all of the conversations we've had around shifting markets. And so I want to put that in perspective for everybody. It's always a shifting market. It's a market. And every single day it shifts. And every single day we wake up and we say, what do prices look like today? Because someone closed yesterday and that changed what my market looks like today. And I have to be the expert and I have to know what closed yesterday so I can tell my customers and explain to them how markets shift always. Every single Last year it shifted. In 21, it was shifting. We just call it shifting when it feels bad. Like my, I have a friend who always said, shift happens. Okay. So we call it shifting when it feels bad, right? And we call it, I always say this too, we call it appreciation. Someone else calls it inflation. But at the end of the day, we're all going through the same things. And so I, I do believe two and a half to three months of inventory is still a seller's market. It's just, we have forgotten that it's, it's not a month seller, a month of inventory seller's market. And I encourage you all to go to Dr. Brad O'Connor's session today and this week to hear the market because I think the most important thing we can do is education, education for our consumer. That's legislatively speaking, and that's in, in your business. You need to be armed with the information that will tell your customers and your buyers and your sellers um, what is occurring. So there's another phrase we have. Here are the seller's expectation or buyer's expectation. Here is reality. Well, you know, except for the last two years. Here is reality, and in between is your commission. Okay, so we're going to have to work again and remind, I mean, besides the past two years, how many times did you walk into a house and say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, your house is worth this? And they go, wow, that's amazing. No, they never do. Except we, we have these short-term memories that like, okay, well, that was really nice for the past year. I got to say, your house is worth this. They said, no, it's worth this. You priced it and you got way above. But that's, that's, a, that's not necessarily a normal market. And so we do need to remember that. And then in terms of interest rates, the same thing. 6% is not a bad interest rate, but we might have to remember what a buy down is, or we might have to look at arms and we might have to look at other mortgage products that are on the market. Again, that comes down to you 
as a real estate consultant. Remember, this is their biggest day of their lives, right? And if it is, you better have all of the best, in my opinion, vendors and flowers and all of the wonderful things that they need. And in terms of real estate, that's, that's your mortgages, that's your title companies, that's all the partners and the right programs um, to be able to arm them and, and show them it is still a wonderful time to, to buy property. And if you're buying and holding for yourself, it, I mean, homeownership has better, you, when you own homes, you have higher education rates, lower divorce rates, lower depression. There's so many great things about owning a home, uh, really building a community. So it's really getting that information and making sure we understand it. The next three to five years, it's going to be amazing. If we move down, so the 60% of economists say it's not, we're not going to, we're not going to shift down. I think people see price adjustments and they think prices are lowering. That's not the case. Again, and it's about understanding closed sales are still above last year, but in a normal market, 30 to 40% will price adjust. In 2021, 5% price adjust. And I think those were up. But, you know, and so in a nor you have to realize that price adjustments don't mean downturn. If we do dip, say some of these economists are correct, and we, don't, we do go 5 10% below what they were last year, it really, sadly, will hurt about two years' worth of buyers, right? And that's if they're going to go sell. So really, at the end of the day, and, and what we know is every 15 years, on average, your house will double. In 1975, there was a huge downturn. 1974, huge downturn. My grandfather took out a page advertisement in Miami Herald, and houses in Miami at the time were $40,000. And he said, I guarantee your house will be worth $80,000 in 1989. And he took out this ad and said, I, you know, it's that I refuse to, you know, to participate in a recession idea. And so he said, I guarantee every 15 years, you typically see it double. And so if I were to ask, I'm sure many of you around the room, what was a house worth in your neighborhood 15 years ago? It's probably way more than double at this point, right? Even three to five years. And so that's really the story we need to make sure that we're telling and, and really arming them with what, what understanding their motivation why are they moving? Why are they buying and selling? And realizing that you're there to help them walk through that process. This is amazing stuff. Am I right? Can we, a little bit of a, yeah, that's great. Awesome. I'm going to wrap this up. I, I use the same final question on every episode. The question is something that I've, uh, I remember asking Jay Thompson of, at the time, Zillow, uh, uh, at the time. Uh, and, uh, and, and the question's, very basic. What, what advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? Shift happens. <laughs> oh, and, and, and don't should have on yourself. That's another one. Oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Today's a new day. Wake up and make your phone calls. My dad used to say, you can't come home till you have a listing appointment. So whatever your process is, shift happens and being kind to yourself. But here's my true advice. Find someone that is new in the business with you and find a mentor. You need to know someone else is going through it because you start to feel like, oh my God, everybody knows what they're doing and I have no idea what's going on. I feel so alone in here. So find someone that's going through it and then find a mentor that you guys can, that you can talk to on a personal basis and on a professional basis. Christina, if someone in the audience wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? You can reach me by email at Christina P at FloridaRealtors.org. I have a CH in my Christina P at FloridaRealtors.org. You can also reach me by cell, text, uh, phone call. It's 305-803-4437. Awesome. And 
I, I got to tell you, this, you know, doing this in front of a live audience, you were fantastic. You did a great job. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to get down to South Florida. You have to come. And, <laughs> and experience a little bit of Miami. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, we have so much fun in, in South Florida, so much art culture, and really looking forward to hosting you. Thank you for having me on today and really had a lot of fun with you. So thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to The Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 